Live from Gutter Cat Studios in the Metaverse, it's time for another episode of the Crazy About Crypto Show. And now here's your host, Crazy Carl. Hey, yo, what is going on? So good to see so many familiar faces in this space. And if you're listening to the podcast, hello from all around the world and welcome to the Crazy About Crypto Show, an interactive live podcast on Twitter spaces for anyone exploring crypto and wanting to learn from others that have already dived into the space. From NFT artists to savvy crypto investors to everyday people just like you and I, this is a place where we can come together and learn about this new wave of innovation. Today's guest is a rapper who has branded his spotted CryptoPunk into a viral sensation through his talent in writing and producing music. He has created an online identity and presence around his NFT and is creating one of the best examples yet of how you can add value to your NFT through talent, grit, and maybe even a little stage presence. He has already released a sold-out collection of 2,000 NFTs of his first album, I'm Spotty, and now after winning an NFT award at NFT, FTNYC is releasing his second collaborative album with legend Bun B. It's my honor to share the stage with a pioneer in the music NFT space, the crypto punk rapper himself, Spotty Wi Fi. What is going on, Spotty? Man, wow. Uh, that is a great intro, brother. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm honored to be here, man. Uh, you are, you're really killing it in the NFT space, and it's, uh, it's really. It, it reminds me of, you know, a few years ago being in in the crypto space, and it was really hard for people to figure out if you weren't technical or if you didn't have a, you know, a background in, um, you know, engineering, computers, it was really hard to get involved in the space. And so seeing people and entertainers like yourself building in the space and in this ecosystem just is always rejuvenating, it gets me really excited. And so I'm glad that we're able to be here and share just kind of your journey because uh, it hopefully can inspire others that are content creators, just how you can create your own world in Web3. So before we get started, let's take it back for a second. And I'd love for you to just uh, take a few minutes and share your journey into the crypto or the NFT space, whichever came first. Yeah, man, um, I'll, I'll try not to ramble on too long. I'll even take you back a little bit before that. Like I used to do music full time like a decade ago. I was in bands, rap groups, solo artists, and just got burnt out with sort of uh, shady managers and bad publishing deals, stuff like that. So I stepped away, burnt out from music, got a day job. And then in 2017, I got into crypto. I, it was the end of the bull market. Um, I was at my parents' house for the holidays, and I saw on CNN or whatever news site, they're talking about Bitcoins going crazy, everybody's getting rich except you, and um, I just said, you know what, I'm going to put more money than I am prepared to lose into crypto. And then, of course, you know, days or a week later, everything crashed. And um, I had a friend who told me, like, you don't lose, uh, you don't lose any money until you sell. And so I just didn't sell. I just held it all. I started studying more, researching, and getting more and more convicted in my belief that crypto was the future. And so I even kept buying more little bits at a time throughout the whole bear market. Fast forward to last year, 2020, COVID hits. I get furloughed from my job. I end up getting laid off. And the world is crumbling. But my crypto is rising all of a sudden, finally. 
And um, so that was like my life raft. And then in January of this year, I start hearing about Top Shot, NBA Top Shot on Twitter. And I start collecting NBA Top Shot because I like basketball. By February, I meet a guy, Crypto Novo, who has eight CryptoPunks at that time, which he bought all of them last year. And I start hearing Mark Cuban talking about CryptoPunks are priceless. They're the rookie card of NFTs. So I'm researching and I say to myself, you know, I finally have my crypto in the green. It's finally in profit. Maybe I should diversify. And if I believe in this, maybe I should buy a CryptoPunk. And that's that's what led me on that path to research. And on February 23rd of this year, I bought my CryptoPunk number 5528. Wow. Thanks for taking us all the way back. You know, one thing that I love about your journey and your story is it's uh, it's it's kind of familiar because it reminds me of my own. I got into the space also um, during the 2017-18 pump. Uh, and, you know, after after the hype uh, and it kind of going mainstream, you know, it really, if you're still in the space today, if you had gotten in that early um, and you've been in the space, like you said, you have, and just uh, kind of continued to slowly invest, it's impossible not to have conviction because we've been through so much and we've seen kind of these cycles that have happened. Uh, And so I would love for you to kind of share uh, just a little bit about what gave you conviction about the technology after you saw it go down. Obviously, it's really depressing. You know, I think uh, during the pandemic low in March of 2020, um, I think I think I saw my holdings go down like 85 to 90 percent. But like you said, if you if you hold and you really have conviction, you know, eventually it, it'll continue to go back up. So when did that conviction moment happen for you I, instead of just being like, OK, well, I'm just not going to sell because I'd lose all this money. When did it actually occur to you like this is the future? And what made you feel like like Bitcoin, Ethereum and all these co- these crazy coins that were just uh, being created? What made you believe in them and off man that's such a great question uh i don't i don't actually remember a specific or an acute aha moment i would just say that like uh i just i think i never really understood what a blockchain was until sometime around that time, like 20, late, late 2017. Um, I didn't really understand what a blockchain was. I didn't really understand uh, what makes like cryptocurrencies uh, or certain cryptocurrencies scarce or immutable. And, um, but I did understand the concept of inflation. I was not trusting of the government and the Federal Reserve. And I was paranoid about like, an inevitable crash of the traditional economy. So those things were already ingrained in me. So by the time I really started researching and listening to a lot of YouTubers explaining like, this is why, this is how a blockchain solves these problems. And this is how, you know, different cryptocurrencies can solve and avoid these problems. Once it, once it kind of, um, clicked to me it was, it became all consuming. Like, I mean, every morning in the shower for like, at least at least three years, two or three years, I was listening to Bitcoin and crypto uh, YouTubers, you know, just getting the latest on on different news and adoption and things like that. Um, 
and uh, yeah, it just seems like uh, you know it's it's of course inevitable. Like, is the world going to get more digital, or is the world going to get less digital? You know, and once you start thinking in those terms, it just becomes like a no-brainer. You know. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, you know what I love about what I love about this space is that you know guys like you and I that have been in the space for years and years. And you just mentioned it. I was the same way. I would stay up reading Discord, Telegram. I would read ICO papers. I mean, it, it literally consumed me for hours at night. Like it, instead of entertainment, I was just reading about you know the blockchain. Um, I had several projects that I won't even name that went to zero and just like I totally lost a shit ton of money. Uh, but every time I lost money, it was like it, it's not because of the technology. It's because of the project or it's because of the developer. And so I had to find better. I had to use those moments and learn from them and continue to find better risk um, opportunities where I could, you know, eventually make uh, what I what I had lost back and, and even more. And that obviously has happened for anyone in the space like you and I that have been here that we've constantly been learning. And now it's like this new cycle of learning for all these uh, NFTers that are getting in the game. Um, what has it been like just to see? You know, from going to those days where it's like we were alone, we're watching YouTube videos, we're reading articles, to now being able to hop in spaces and feel like the sense of community, how different does it feel today than it did uh, even a, a year or two ago? Dude, that's such a great question. And it's really night and day. It's crazy. Like, I, I, I remember, like, I feel like before COVID, I was like actively alienating myself from so many friends, right? Because, you know, you meet up and there was a lot more like IRL hanging out and meeting up and, and grabbing drinks and things like that. And all I wanted to talk about was crypto, you know, and all I wanted to talk about was like the future of, of money and the future of the economy and stuff like that. And everybody's looking at me like I'm crazy or they're just annoyed and they don't want to talk about it, whatever. And now, you know, it's like, um, first of all, I haven't had a lot of IRL hangouts with friends in the past year and a half or whatever it's been. Um, and I, I spend more time hanging out with friends in spaces like this one and it's 99 or a hundred percent talking about NFTs and, and crypto and blockchain. And it's amazing. And even I just got back from NFT NYC and it's like, that was the most Tan the most physical and tangible face-to-face -face interaction I've had with people probably in two years. And it was just one big love fest about every everybody's common interests in all these things that I love. So it's really crazy, man. I'm very, very grateful for it. I'm humbled by it. Um, and it's very validating. You know, it, it feels good. It feels good to get a win, you know. Because I had such a rough start entering the market, the crypto market, at, a, at such a bad entry point in late 2017. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think um, I couldn't agree more. It's like uh, it's like anyone that we tried to talk about, about crypto back uh, a couple years ago, I any family or friends that we talked about, it was kind of like a written off. It was like no one understood it. And now, you know, even... <laughs> 
even the people that laughed the most or like just kind of said, oh, it's going to die. They looked at the charts. They said, nope, it's going down. It's going, it's going back down. And now those are the same people that come back to us asking questions because they know we've been in the game for so long and so passionate about it. Uh, and I mean, I think it's funny because we're able to onboard new people. And at the end of the day, it's amazing that now they see the potential. But then at the same time, it's like, dude, where were you uh, a year and a half ago? Because you could have had these same gains that we've had now. Um, but it is funny how these hype cycles work. And I mean, I think one thing that I think about is we need to make it sustainable now, right? Like now, the now we have to turn to the next time people are losing money, which is is happening again today with some of the NFT projects. You saw Top Shot going down. Now it's about like trying to help other people besides the hype and the money making and all these things, uh, understanding really the true potential of blockchain and this ecosystem and the infrastructure that we're building. And so uh, what, what, what has it been like? What are the things that you try to talk to people about now when you get into the space uh, to try to avoid kind of what we saw in 2018 during the ICO craze and then the the dump that happened after, how do we kind of avoid people from getting burnt out because uh, they have struggle in the space, especially now that we're kind of going through this little cycle and this lull in the NFT space the last month or so? For sure. Well, you know, I always I always explain like, look, I'm super bullish on all these things, right? But learn from my mistakes. If you're if you're entering this world as a as a beginner, do not rush in. Do not FOMO in and put more money in than you're prepared to lose. The best you know the the, the best approach that I could advise you to do is take little bites at a time. You know, dollar cost average if you can. You know, um, and that way you're gonna ride the volatility and you're gonna you're going to ride the macro trend which mm-hmm. is going which is an upward trend you know you don't necessarily want to ride every micro trend because some of those micro trends can ru- rush violently downward and that's exactly how i got caught up in my entry in you know the holiday season of 2017 which was a bad bad time to rush in and fomo in mm-hmm. um, so that's that's one of my big points and when it comes to nfts you know, I think my biggest uh, my biggest perspective for a beginner is, you know, ninety nine point nine percent of NFTs that are coming out right now, like they have a decent chance of going to zero in the long run. You know, and I, I am not a trader. I'm too emotional to be a trader, so I'm a holder. Yeah. Okay, so for me, and if you're like me, if you're not a trader, then I would say look for the blue chips. You know. Look for the projects that have a strong team, a strong background, uh, strong historical value or strong innovative value. And, um, you know, nowadays you could you could buy a fraction of one of those. You know, you could you could buy a fraction of a CryptoPunk potentially or a Justin Aversano photograph or something like that. You know, and then the other thing I would say is there are going to be new entrants into the space, into the NFT world, that they're brand new to NFTs, but they have a strong track record of winning in the traditional art world or in the traditional mm-hmm. business world, things like that. And like, if you're patient and, and, 
and you don't like rush and use deploy all your capital in in other projects, then you can catch one of those. And I think that if I were a beginner, uh, that would be where I would be looking. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. I think we see we uh, see like a rush to quality, um, this flight to quality that's talked about, and it's so true. And if you were around during the ICO craze, we saw that. You know, the Binance, which is now a top ten coin, Chainlink, which is in a top twenty coin, those were all born during the ICO. CEO craze, right? And we, you know, the people that really had conviction and saw the team and saw what the the problem it solved, and they they went through these cycles where these coins really got down super super low. I remember owning Chainlink when it was like fifty cents, uh, and. I think one thing that I, I think about is obviously I don't own it anymore, but that's because I was so busy trying to flip and trying to trade. And I was, you know, doing a lot of uh, things that at the end of the day, I was. I was swing trading, I was trying to buy and then uh, sell so I could buy more at a lower cost. And, you know, I, I ended up that works until it doesn't. And then when it doesn't, you lose a lot of money. And I kept I kept having to learn from these mistakes of trying to time the market until eventually it was probably in 2019 uh, during so, during the bear market when I finally realized, you know what, I'm not I'm not going to keep doing this to myself. Uh, you know, there's even people that I've heard that um, have, you know, they're they're worth 10 mil plus, and they talked about almost being liquidated, being down to their last couple hundred thousand during the bear market of crypto. And one thing that I keep thinking about is is why do that to ourselves when you can you can put your investment into something you truly believe in, you understand, and if the fundamentals of those things haven't changed, you just hold on and and ride with it. Uh, and and I think that's what we're starting to see. I think that's the education that people didn't talk about during the ICO craze because it was much more trader based. And so I love that you know now there's a lot more people saying the same thing. You know, be curious, don't stop learning. When you lose. Uh, learn from it, but find the things that you really believe in. And I think like that's the best information we can give to like newcomers in the NFT space. Because if people continue to lose, we're going to see burnout that will just end up uh, inevitably hurting the ecosystem. Absolutely. And the other thing I would just say is if you're talking to new people that want to enter the space, talk to them in your very first conversation, please. In your initial conversation, talk to them about security right explain what a seed phrase is um and just give them some quick do's and don'ts about like don't be opening links if you don't know what they are um explain the difference between a hot and a cold wallet maybe advise them if you have more than one computer maybe just have one computer that you use exclusively for metamask and nfts until you can get a cold wallet uh, those are those are things i like to talk about in the very first conversation if someone shows an interest or is curious because if they get burned on their first foray into nfts um, man good luck getting them back you know they may sit out for the next couple years and mm -hmm. and it's bad and that's bad for all of us and especially bad for them yeah and i couldn't i mean what you said just there is that they could end up sitting out i i know people actually my neighbor i talked to about crypto and he got in during the ico craze in 2018 with ripple at, at the top and lost a ton of money and it just like it put a bad taste in his mouth he still he just recently got in and bought a couple nfts but that's just because uh you know i'm obsessed with and that's all I talk about. So he he obviously saw kind of the success that I was having. But 
I, I told him too, uh, when it came to the, the same thing, I was like, if you're, he was like, tell me what to buy. Tell me the NFT. He's like, I don't have enough time to understand this. Just tell me what to get. I'm like, no, dude, no, that's not like, you've got to get on NFT Twitter. You've got to start understanding what this is because I can tell you all day what something is, but if it goes down, it doesn't matter if I told you because you're, you're down and that's all you're seeing. And so you've got to, you've got to take time and understand the whole ecosystem when it comes to security, when it comes to understanding what the blockchain is, and now understanding this uh, social dynamic that's involved in in the ecosystem by getting involved in like the Twitter space, um, because that's what that's where really you start to build the conviction. And I hate, you know, we, we're going to continue to see it because there's a lot of people on TikTok and a lot of people that create hype that don't take time to remind people about these things. It's like, all you see on some of these viral TikTok feeds are, oh my God, I just made 20 times in a week. And it's like, dude, you're just going to hurt people. You're, you've got to stop doing that. And it, it, it makes me so angry because it's like, we've got to teach people. If you're going to buy something, you've got to tell them the risk. You've got, you got to tell them why you're doing it, what makes you excited. And I feel like that ignorance just goes back and plays into the financial literacy issue that we have around the world, which is just like, people don't understand even what a market cap is. They don't understand a lot of things. And we've got to teach people it's okay to learn about what fi- like what this is, because it's really a change in the dynamic of the entire entire financial ecosystem that we live in. So I love that we we're talking about this right now because um, because that's the conversation that's going to make people uh, make the most money is understanding what we're actually what's actually being built and understanding how to deal when they make gains or or when they have a loss how to handle those situations because the hype is what's I think sometimes the most dangerous. Absolutely, man. And you just reminded me like, uh, first of all, I'm embarrassed to admit this. I very rarely have stated this in public since I since I started doing the spotty stuff. But the first crypto I actually bought was XRP. So um, a little bit of relate relation to your story. And also, I had no exposure to markets. I had no experience in investing whatsoever. I had a little bit out of my check that would go to my 401k. That was all that I had ever invested, and it was obviously passive. But I didn't understand the concept of a market cap. I was literally ignorant and just looking at the price of one token and comparing like, oh, you know, this token is – you know, this XRP token is whatever the fuck it was, you know, yeah. a dollar or something. Oh, and, it's going to go and, to a thousand. It's like, no, yeah. do you realize if it's a thousand, what that means about the market? You're right, though. And, I, and, I talk to people all the time that, that I, I just related to that. Go ahead, though. And, well, yeah, no, that's exactly right. And, and, you know, no concept of a market cap, no concept of like, is a coin inflationary? Is it deflationary? You know, so for so many of us, at least, you know, I, at least myself speaking, like, my education of crypto was simultaneously an education in market dynamics, right? So you're you're just like drinking from the fire hose. So that's why it's like fascinating to, for, for somebody in my position to listen to YouTubes and podcasts and read like so many hours of the day every single day for years because it's like you're actually being exposed to multiple worlds at once if you're not an experienced investor. 
Yeah, I love it. You know, I'm going to pivot here, but I could talk to you because you've been in the in it, or in the crypto space a little while. One, I just huge congrats because you can tell that you you've taken the time to really research and understand and get kind of the n- dynamics of everything and you and I both got into crypto uh for similar reasons when it comes to worries about our current ecosystem, uh the world we live in when it comes to financial um the systems that are running money printing inflation and all these things now are being talked about but i was investing in gold and silver in 2012 for the same reasons and it's like it just it it, it makes me excited to hear that people are continuing to educate themselves and now that you can do it in even a more entertaining way you can have the uh, spaces on while you're just working and you can constantly be kind of learning um catching little nuggets of information that that help you learn and you're like a a success story of that and so i just um it's it's really i could have a beer and just talk to you about crypto and our our shared experiences there but i want to get into you know becoming uh, a creator in this ecosystem after learning and understanding everything um when it comes to crypto you're you decided to get back into the music industry and so i'd love for you to kind of share about the opportunity you felt like there was after you bought your CryptoPunk, after you started thinking about um, how you could build in this space, uh, what was that journey like? And I'm sure hearing your journey will inspire others too that are getting started. Okay, so I bought my CryptoPunk in February, as I said, February 23rd. I did a, a, probably a couple weeks of solid research. My guy, Crypto Novo, showed me the website, showed me how to sort by attributes and kind of compare rarities and things like that. And I had no concept, no inkling in my mind that I was going to do anything musical with my CryptoPunk. I was literally just looking at it as an asset to diversify, right? And what I noticed was the spots on my CryptoPunk's face there are 10,000 CryptoPunks, only 124 of them have spots. So that's what makes him rare, okay? And at the same time, as I compared the price of different attributes, it was very undervalued. Other traits that are similarly rare would sell for much more than a spotted CryptoPunk. And I think it's because people think the spots are ugly, they don't want the spots on their profile picture, it looks like acne or whatever. But I was just looking at it as an asset. So I'm just looking at the numbers and thinking, this is an undervalued asset. And I said, this is the one I'm going to buy right here because it's it's the rarest one that's within the ballpark of like what I'm looking to spend, right? And um, then... A couple weeks later, as I'm following other CryptoPunks, getting into the community, uh, I, I just see that like there's all these people, like G Money was very influential to me, uh, Crypto Nova, my friend, they are creating content. They're building a platform with their CryptoPunk as the face, and they are totally anonymous or pseudonymous. People have no idea their real identity, but they want to hear what they have to say, and part of what captures people's initial interest is the CryptoPunk signals to the world that they know something, they're in on a secret, they're an early adopter, they're a thought leader, or they're just fucking crazy. You know, one of the one of the above, right? And um, I thought that was really interesting. And having my music background from years ago, I was just like scratching my head, like, 
why isn't anybody doing something musical with this? Or like, why is all the content I see, it's either tweets or it's like, you know, like just talking on CNBC, things like that. But nobody's, there's no Punk's TV show. There's no Punk's album. At the time, there wasn't even a Punk's comic that had been announced, you know. And that's when I decided... I'm going to make a rapper out of my guy. He's got the baseball cap. He looks like he could be a rapper. Um, and I knew the spots had to be central to his identity for, for the reason I described earlier. And eventually the name Spotty Wi-Fi hit me. And it really just started as an idea of how to differentiate my punk. If I can make the world's first crypto punk rap star, then surely that's going to be worth more than all the other crypto punks that have spots on their face. right? <laughs> it's gonna yeah. like, so that was the idea. You know, I was, uh, it's funny because all your stories, because of the time you've been in the space, uh, our journeys are so similar. Uh, I was, I was so inspired by G Money, Beanie, uh, 4156, you know, Crypto Chick, all of these, all these people that were like their face and their identity was so prevalent to everything that they did in the space. And they were anonymous. And I was like, wow, these people that are anonymous really creating. And, and that's where we saw the born, you know, the crypto or the bored apes and then the gutter cats kind of shortly after were born from that phase. And very similar. Similar story of where, you know, why I decided to jump in and kind of brand Crazy Carl as a gutter cat gang, uh, one of the rare gutter cat gang because of the uniqueness of it. And I think it's, I think it is fascinating because we're seeing more and more people that it doesn't even really matter how rare it is. You can just create a presence um, in the space. And if you, if you really take time and care and you constantly are creating on this, uh, in the metaverse and having a pretty, you know, an identity that you're not constantly changing, it can really, uh, create value and add, uh, like a brand presence. And what was, what ha has it been like kind of seeing, you know, going from being inspired to now, having a face, a spotty Wi-Fi, something that people recognize. Anytime they see a spotted punk, it's impossible not to think spotty Wi-Fi because you're really the only spotted punk that has created an IP uh, around, you know, your NFT uh, of the spotted CryptoPunks. So what has that been like to kind of have people recognize your punk as being like, oh, wow, that's, that's a rap, that's the rapper guy? Dude, it's pretty cool, man. It's it's really been awesome. Um, I'm I'm still in the afterglow of NFT NYC right now. So like, I'm I, I, the whole year has been awesome. You know, people showing love online and um, just embracing the concept. But now, like coming back from NFT NYC, it's it feels so much more tangible now because you know like i dyed my hair or i bleached my hair and then i dyed it with i got the cheetah print hair now i was wearing leopard cheetah print suits everywhere i went and um people just showed so much love it was like crazy you know um i i think it, it really drove home to me how effective you know it how effective it has been you know where people people get it uh they 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 understand the mission that I'm on, uh, not just to brand my punk, but now also, you know, I've sort of stumbled into this position where I'm like an ambassador for independent artists and talking about the pitfalls of the traditional music industry. And, um, 
it's been very humbling and, and flattering, like the response I've gotten. And, um, it's, it's incredible, man. Like, like the, the crypto punk is like, he's like a trademark now, you know, he's technically not a trademark, I guess, but, but, uh, it's, it's like there, there is some brand recognition amongst this small niche community that we're a part of. And it's, it's very gratifying. You know, one thing that I want to kind of loop back around to is that um, I'm curious because I f feel like when I started building in the space too, all of a sudden our focus and our attention becomes on bigger things than uh, the day-to-day -day trading market and we can kind of have our portfolio and not just be constantly sucked in by it because we're creating something bigger in this ecosystem and i'm curious if you've kind of felt the same way with you know not having to stress so much about the day-to-day -day because now as a builder you're focused on building a whole different entire ecosystem and community within the space where you can kind of have a voice where you can uplift people and uh, what that has been like from like going from being obsessed and listening to podcasts to now, you know, being the creator and being someone that can help teach others and the attention that that's also helped out with during kind of lulls in the market. Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely a lot less consumed by the day-to-day -day price action in crypto or even in NFTs um, than I once was. You know, part of that is I am not super exposed to crypto right now. You know, I have some crypto, um, mostly ETH and Bitcoin, but I actually took a lot of, well, I took all my alt altcoins that I had. Um, and back when the the Kennel Club came out, I, I, I used all pretty much all my altcoins to scoop up a few apes. Um, so I'm pretty consolidated there in terms of where my altcoins were. And I've been very fortunate to have been early on a couple other projects that have done well. And like I said, I'm a holder, not a trader anyways. And I'm, I've, I know we're so early in this NFT world that I have that peace of mind. Um, and now, yeah, it's just like I'm, I'm full-time spotty, full-time on the music. And like you said, it's more big picture for me now. And when I put the album out, you know, I didn't set out to to stand on a pulpit and preach about the uh, the downsides of the music industry and how artists are abused. But after after my album sale in August, you know, we sold 2000 album NFTs for 0.03 Ethereum at the time. That was ninety six dollars each. And we sold out in under a minute. And it was NFT Nick who tweeted that if I wanted to make that much revenue on a streaming platform like Spotify, I would need like 45 million spins. Wow. Okay? And I have fewer than 10,000 spins probably even right now on the whole Internet, let yeah. alone Spotify. And so once, once he framed it that way, and it was the same night that the album sold out, that tweet sort of... I think was life changing because it helped me and it helped a lot of people see that like, wow, this is actually crazy because the music industry, the old school industry is infested by middlemen who all have their hands out and are reaching into the pockets of artists. And what NFT enables is an artist can go directly to their fans and actually deliver more value to the fans with an NFT than they can deliver with an MP3. Okay. It's very hard to sell an MP3, 
right? Because an MP3 just allows you to listen to the music. That's like the right-click save. If I sell you, Carl, an MP3, I have no visibility into who you send it to, who you right-click save and, 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 and share it with, right? Uh, but with an NFT, I can allow a, a listener, a, a, a community member, to do a lot more than just listen to the music. All of a sudden, they can monetize the music when I give them a copyright license. They can put it in their podcast. They can put it on their TV show, et cetera, et cetera. They can license it to an advertiser. Mm -hmm. So basically, I just stumbled into this position where I get to kind of get my retribution against the artist managers that ripped me off in the past, the music publishers that signed me to bad deals, the record labels, the booking agents, the businessmen, all these middlemen. I now am in this privileged position where I get to preach and, and rally against them while at the same time using music to educate about the benefits of nfts and the technology and it's a really privileged position and it's so big picture that i i didn't even fathom it when i when i set out on this journey well it's it just goes back to the education right like you learning about financial literacy and now you're learning about a whole nother element of that when it comes to realizing that the infrastructure that's been built around the entertainment industry uses the the people with the talent as the product and that's a huge problem and something that even, you know, even the narrative around, um, you know, when the digital age started was, oh, wow, now people don't need to buy CDs, they don't need to buy albums, that's going to really hurt the artist. But no one really was talking about uh, actually, what's hurting the artist is, yes, that that does kind of hurt, but also the people that are kind of working these deals uh, are not really thinking about the best way to continue to help promote the artists in, in, that in other ways. You know, the streaming, like you said, that streaming cut that you would get if your, your audio is played over Spotify or Pandora or any of these streaming... You know, there's so many layers that get involved by the time that you get your cut from streaming, it is so little. And that's why people have talked about, oh, well, then you have to go on, you know, you really need to go on tours. And it's like, well, no, I really shouldn't have to do that if I don't want to. How can I just make money if I don't want to go on tours? Because that but, but that lesson is because the people at the top, the managers are getting a huge cut of from the tours too. So, of course, they want you to go on tours. And so, it, it's just funny how it's like from a top-down perspective how we've been held back because we've been the product for so long and now you can kind of take control again and be like no like i can actually do something really successfully and and you know really the people that believe in me the people that you know that i'm actually that enjoy what i put out i can give them the value instead of you at the top telling me what to do exactly bro and it's like we have culturally come to accept and even expect that a musician is going to provide us the soundtrack to our lives and the anthems for our highest highs and the, the songs that get us through our lowest lows, right? But at the same time, we have no qualms and we do not bat an eyelash if those artists end up broke, on the street, addicted to drugs, in jail, destitute or worse right we it, we expect it and we do not flinch when it happens right happens all the time even to artists that have millions of fans platinum records multiple grammys and that becomes the minimum 
or that that becomes our definition of success. So many musicians think I want to sign to a major label. Still, they still think this a lot of the time. I want to have millions of fans. Guess what? You like you were saying, you don't need millions of fans unless your goal is to sell ads on Spotify. If you want to sell ads on Spotify and take your little pennies or fractions of a penny for each spin that you get, then yes, you do need millions of fans. Okay, But if you want to make an honest living doing what you love, you can now go direct to your fans and you only need a few hundred or maybe a thousand of them and you'll be fine. Mm. And that's very, very powerful. It's so powerful. What do you think is going to be... Do you, do you see uh, a situation as NFTs play a larger role and you kind of continue to be a leader and thought leader in showing people how this can be done? But do you see a world where, you know, the people that are tied into some of these major contracts... Uh, kind of coming to this space or do you feel like what's going to happen is we're just going to have hundreds of amazing talented people that are able to kind of get organic growth from the start that then become massive in years that just disrupt the entire system um that that we have what do you think is like a more likely situation coming out of like the entertainment and the music industry uh and how it disrupts the the ecosystem I personally think it's going to be the latter more so. I think the independent artists that are that don't have a bunch of bad deals that they've signed, I think they're going to be the biggest beneficiaries of, of the NFT revolution. Um, I see very little evidence that would suggest to me that the big dinosaur record labels are going to be thinking about this the right way anytime soon. I think it's going to be cash grab uh, factories. You know, I think that's what these record labels are going to set out to do. And believe me, they see the dollar signs. They see it already. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of old school record labels and industry executives. They might not even do it under the banner of the record labels that they worked at for many years. A lot of them are going to branch off and try to do their own thing. And I've seen it already. But a lot of them are going to try to take Web 2.0 models and just cloak it like a wolf in sheep's clothing with Web3 uh, technology and, and terminology. And they're still going to try to let the artists get the smallest piece of the pie and the last piece of the pie. Um, so I, I do think that the record labels, they're going to be the last ones to figure it out. This might be the last this might be the last straw. You know, like we saw how they reacted to Napster. Napster made it very hard to monetize an MP3, so they started signing artists to 360 deals, which means they get a cut of a lot more than just your album sales. They get a cut of everything, T-shirts, lunchboxes, merchandise, you know, touring, all that. I don't know what their response is going to be to this. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, but I do think that independent artists like myself and others, they're going to be the ones that are really innovating and have the ability, the contractual freedom to innovate, you know, at, at, at scale. What do you think is going to happen when there's like the, one, some of these top platinum artists, the first one that actually gets educated and wants to kind of break away from this traditional model? I feel like inevitably, you know, you see Jimmy Fallon changing his crypt or his uh, profile to an ape. And he has 51 million followers. So what what happens once you know you know some of these people that that uh, have been signed to all these 
deals, these bad deals, what do you think is going to happen when they, when there's a couple big names like a Taylor Swift or Justin Bieber that finally are like, no, like this is, this is all messed up. I can actually do this better by myself. Do you think that'll happen? And how do you think that'll change, you know, what the impact that'll have? Yes, it'll happen. Um, I mean, I'll just throw a, a, a crazy and like very specific prediction out there. You're going to see a billion dollar album. Okay. Like what happens if, if Taylor Swift takes what I did and says, I want to deliver more value than an MP3 because an MP3 just lets people listen to my music. What if I want to give them an NFT that allows them to monetize my music? They get a copyright license. What if Taylor Swift did that? You know, what if Drake said, I saw what Spotty did. I want to make an album that you mint it and there are rarity traits and it's a randomized mystery mint. You don't know which song you're going to get. You don't know which version of the song you're going to get. Some of them are one of ones and you get a copyright license. You could license it to McDonald's, put it in a commercial. Like there's going to be a billion dollar album that comes out thanks to NFTs and the, the artist is going to get, you know, the vast majority of that money. And, and, you know, that's like the kind of crazy thing that I think is going to happen because like what I, what I was able to do in August, like I said, in August, I had 5,500 followers on Twitter, very few plays on streaming services. And, um, I was able to earn more in music than I ever made in, in one year in music when I was doing music full time a decade ago. You know, so what happens when somebody with millions of fans across the world takes that type of a model and and adapts it or improves upon it? It's going to be crazy. And there's yeah, so so it's it's going to happen there. I think there's going to be some big home runs. I guess what I'm what I meant in in my previous uh, part of the conversation is. I think it's going to be tough for a lot of major artists to do that because you have to have the right combination of a following, a platform, and contractual freedom and sort of independence. Yeah, that's the contractual freedom, I think, is where it's really, you're going to see... You're going to see the record. Li- I mean, this when we talk about blockchain being a disruptor, you start to realize in like a situation like yours where you're able to create a sustainable income without any sort of record deal. I mean, that's a that's a disruptor. People are going to look at what you did, uh, and now you know you've been you've been featured in like Twitter Spaces tweets. You obviously uh, had you know the success with the award at NFT NYC for what you've done in the music industry in the nft space people are watching now and they're gonna learn and i mean that is what caught that's like the one small step that it takes to start a you know the disruptive uh domino effect and i think that's uh super powerful and i think that's something that some people in the music space they're like how do i do this what do i do well they just need a couple people that they can look at and be like okay i can learn from what spotty's doing and i think that's amazing and i'd love for you to talk a little bit about working with a legend like bun b if that was uh, something that came from kind of these conversations and these chats, or if that was, uh, or if you had a connection to him in the music industry prior, what was what was it like being able to work with him? And you know, now even having a, a bigger platform, he has I think two million followers. Uh, so now the information that we can spread to more people, what has that been like? Man, it's been amazing. Uh, first off, you know, Bun is a legend, and so. I, I just as a fan, it's amazing to to be working with him and, and talking to him. Um, 
that connection came about because I have an old friend from Chicago that runs an indie record label out there and a really good guy, you know, one of the good guys in the music industry. And I knew him from years ago because he used to be a rap blogger. He ran a pretty influential rap blog. And I hit him up after our album sale because I was like, man, we did this launch. It was successful. And now I want to bridge the gap to the mainstream through collaboration but i don't have and i don't have the right rolodex of mainstream artists and i know you know some great artists that that could be great to work with and so he connected me with bun um and bun was just super receptive bun actually has a good background with nfts he rapped over a euler beat i don't know how many people are familiar with euler oh beats. wow no i didn't even know that that's dope yeah, if you search on Google or Twitter, you'll find his rap where there's a uh, there's somebody that owns a Euler beat, which is like a historic generative music project, and they they commissioned Bun to rap over it. And Bun rapped about the blockchain. He rapped about NFT. So I was like, you know, my friend sent me a short list of artists that we could reach out to. We actually did a poll, a vote in my Discord of who we would want to reach out to. And uh, I just knew it was perfect when we reached out to Bun because I knew he was going to know so much more about what the hell we were pitching him than anybody else on the list, most likely. And thankfully, he loved the idea. You know, his exact words were like, I always have time for clean money. That was what, that was like yes, part of his exact, exact response. And um, it was basically like, as long as he likes the song, if we send him a song that he likes, he'll do it. Um, and, and it worked out. Yeah. It's a very privileged position. Uh, I'm getting a song. I don't know if I'm going to cut out or not. Can you hear me? I can hear you. You cut out for a second, but you're good. Okay. Okay, yeah, so um, he was super down, super great to work with. You know, he he has given us, my producer and me, so much trust. Like, it's, it's incredible to say to a legendary rapper that's been nominated for Grammys and has platinum records, to say, hey, we want to do a rap song, and then we want to remix it and do an 8-bit version. And then we want to remix it and do an orchestral version. And then we want to do 24 mashups, so there's 27 different versions of the song that people can mint and we're, we're going to have a dreamworks animator that's going to depict us on the moon and looking like cartoon characters and then they're going to depict us as space spacemen astronauts and then they're going to depict us with green skin as as aliens and then we're going to mash like it's like a lot to ask a legendary artist to trust you to do that with their likeness and with their image and with their vocals and he every step of the way was so easy to work with man it was like really the universe aligned and um i think music is going to be powerful for educating new audiences and diverse audiences about what we're talking about and he's been incredible he he been posting on his social media he posted on instagram yesterday at bun b go show that post some love because we're really trying to bridge the gap to the mainstream through these collaborations you know, we're going to switch over to Community Corner here in a second. So if you have a question, especially if you post it on that pin, pin tweet at the top, go ahead and hit that request button and come up here and ask uh, Spotty a question and get involved in the show. Um, but while we're waiting for some people to do that, what I love that your vision from the very beginning about trying to get a bigger named artist to collab with you was about um, helping educate and getting in in front of more people. And I just absolutely love that because that is what is going to change people's lives. You realize that 
you know, the thousand true fan thing is real and you're already getting close to that. So then it's like, okay, even if I don't find new fans, I need to help educate new, you know, users uh, so that they realize that this, it, it feels very much so like the, the moves you're making, it's not just about your success, but it's also vision driven to help um, other artists. And I hear that. And I think that's something that, you know, just goes to show the power of Web3 is about trying to help the entire community and not just yourself, like the, the you know, the um, system that we've been trying to operate from for the last two decades where it's all cutthroat. Now it's about, you know, I, I have my success. I'm able to make money with just my, my thousand fans. So now let me help other people learn about this and help change other lives. Absolutely. And it's just, a, it's just, I'm just reciprocating, right? Because everything I've been able to do, we've done together as a community. All the spotties, you know, there, I went to Ben at NFT NYC if I didn't earn enough on my album sale to get there. I wouldn't have won an award if my community didn't vote for me. I couldn't have part i couldn't have afforded to partner with bun b i couldn't have afforded to partner with a dreamworks animator if we didn't have the success with the first album so to me it's like it's not just about doing what i want to do it's about doing what advances the mission that my community has bought into yeah i love it all right let's go ahead and get into some questions get your catnip and questions ready it's time for you to take the stage for another segment of Community Corner. Ron, what is going on? Ron is also a content creator in the space. Amazing NF Daddies. What's going on, Ron? Hey, Crazy Carl. Good to see you guys. How's it going, Spotty Wi-Fi? How are you doing today? I'm great, man. Thank you. Good, good. Hey, you. Uh, my buddy opened up your show, uh, I think it was last weekend, right after NFT NYC, Louie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Love yeah, Louis. so wanted to give a shout out to Louis real quick. But yeah, so in your industry, it has a lot of legacy to it. Um, how are you approaching the conversation with those who have had success in the legacy world of, of music? What are your like top two points that you like to point out uh, with the NFTs? I know that you said with a smaller crowd that you can you can really make a splash. But what are you what are you saying to like really nail the put the nail in the coffin? I'd say. So do you mean with other artists that have had success in the in the old school industry or like Yeah, those who are anything? favorable to the fiat and don't really understand the crypto side. You know, I'll tell you the truth, Ron. I don't try to convince people too much. You know, I, I was fortunate. I got to go to a Gary V talk in New York, whatever you think of Gary, like he's definitely a smart guy. Right. And he, he made a really interesting point. Maybe, maybe it's very like, um, maybe it's a little extreme, but he was saying like, if you're trying to convince people, it's coming from a place of insecurity. And he was encouraging artists to just focus on the people that are already in this space because the, and I'm now I'm putting words in his mouth, but basically where I'm going with this is like I try I make music for crypto people. I make music for NFT heads, you know. Now through collaboration, I'm gonna expose new people to that music and to my lyrics, and hopefully they'll get curious and they'll hear something they don't know about and they'll Google it. But I don't spend much time trying to figure out how do I get old school music heads or music fans into this world because I personally feel the best way I can do that is just to do what I do 
do it well and just create a buzz you know that is undeniable you know after my album drop it was successful and i was able to get a story written about me on complex.com you know and that had to expose i I couldn't even guess how many people traditional music fans traditional artists record label executives they i I mean i guarantee you every record label in the country was sending that article around on, on their internal distribution list making sure like you need to know what this is and who this is and to me that's the most powerful thing i can do um but when I do talk to traditional people, I, I'm preaching, I'm rallying, railing against the middlemen. I'm talking about all the things we've been talking about in this hour, about the pitfalls of the music industry and how we need to empower artists. I don't mince my words, basically. I don't care if it's like the, the, if I'm talking to Carl on Spaces or if I'm talking to uh, a record label executive that has done, you know, millions of dollars, millions of album sales or whatever. It's the same conversation. Yeah, it makes total sense. And just being able to have something as a product that you've already created, you're you're having success with, and that just sort of speaks to it on its own. So I love that. Just make make your own thing, and then others will see it. Yeah, exactly. That's an amazing question too, Ron. Thanks for coming up. And the next person we have up here is actually a singer as well and has a folk music album out. What is going on, Aaron? How are you doing? Hey, Carl. Hi, everybody. Thank you, Spotty, for being here today. Um, You know, so many of us are shut out of the traditional music industry, um, being grassroots artists, and y'all are shining a light on things like the thousand true fans theory and being at the end of the long tail. There are opportunities here, and I'm so grateful um, that, that you are sharing because it's really important that we have teachers and translators <laughs> from web to this sort of like traumatic space for artists into the independence and um, competence that, that we're all stepping into here with web three. So just wanted to say thank you. And I also have a quick question about uh, the ecosystem of all the different chains and different dApps, um, you know, Hen had a, had a situation uh, or is, is having a, an identity crisis right now. And so I would love to get your feedback or just your, your input on um, getting into the space um, when people are looking at minting for the first time or like a first collection. Um, is there a place where it's where entry is easier or less expensive? Or is ETH best for showing that you've got skin in the game? Um, what about diversity versus uh, staying on one chain in one on one platform? So thanks for the space. Well, that's a great question, Aaron. I will preface by saying I'm no means an expert on on this conversation. I've actually uh, I actually have a very embarrassingly little experience with Solana or Tezos or other um, chains when it comes to minting or even collecting. I'm pretty much uh, exclusively been exposed to Ethereum as both a collector and a, and a, a creator. Um, that being said, I don't think an artist should feel limited by Ethereum or that they need to mint on Ethereum. You know, I think that you can find an audience on all of these chains, most likely. Um, I personally, I, I like Ethereum because because I don't know a lot about the other chains, I feel a greater sense of permanence with Ethereum. Like I have more confidence that 
that Ethereum is pretty much past the point of return and that it's, it's, it's achieved escape velocity and that my work will live on for eternity, you know? So that's, that's one reason. I have also heard, anecdotally, I've heard some collectors say, like, they like to collect when an artist, they, they, they place a premium on an artist investing in themselves and investing in the, in the gas that it takes to mint on Ethereum. You know, now that's a few and far between thing. I don't hear collectors talking about this all the time, but, you know, collectors have different motivations. You know, sometimes a collector, I, I mean, you know, some collectors are, are very picky about different things. They they want a smart contract. Or they Sorry, they want a custom contract. They don't want to buy something from an open sea shared contract. I think that's dying now. I think Justin Aversano, he's got one of the most um, – prolific and historic and iconic collections in nft history with his twin flames photography collection i'm a huge fan of him and that's on the shared open sea collection so i think he i think he single-handedly killed that uh requirement that any collector may have had and i think maybe maybe we will reach a point where no collector thinks any differently about different blockchains so basically all i'm trying to say is um i'm not an expert to answer this question but if the if it's the difference between you being able to mint and get your content your your creation out there in the time frame that you would otherwise be ready if the only thing stopping you is the gas fees on ethereum um number one i would look at like OpenSea and is or rareable is there a way to mint it more cost effectively and number two i wouldn't i, I wouldn't shy away from solana or tezos i say go for it yeah, that's some that's some good advice. I think uh you don't want you don't want to be limited especially as you're building because you don't have the money and that's something that you're going to see with creators like it is getting more and more expensive to create especially as the price of ETH goes up even though even if the nominal price of a GWEI is the same, it's more expensive because in fiat it's going up and a lot of people that haven't invested in hard assets uh you know and are trying to get into this ecosystem, it's become harder and harder as the price dynamic goes up and so that's a really great question it's it's important to constantly be thinking how we can continue to onboard and not let that be a barrier and I think uh, I think that's what makes me bullish even though I I'm most bullish on the ethereum ecosystem the way I think about it too is that there's going to be class systems right kind of in the in the uh, crypto ecosystem and that we will continue to have um, as, as we continue to go forward, you know, people that are getting in the space that are newer, they may uh, get into a different ecosystem because it's more affordable and that's okay. Uh, let's see. I know that. Let me get Spotty up here. He was kicked off there for a second. Aaron, thank you so much for coming up. Are you back up Thanks here with us? Thanks for the perspective. Appreciate it. All right. Well, let's do one more question and then we'll do the world premiere. Uh, we've got Signal up on stage, and he is a coder for Web3. It's good to have you up on stage, Signal. What's going on? She is a coder. Oh, she. <laughs> uh, indeed, indeed. What's thank up, you. Signal? How are you doing? Thank you so I'm much, good. Signal. I, that is the one thing that I need to continue to work on with Web3 is you just never know with a profile picture. You can't make an assumption. So you good can't. to have you up here. You can never make it. It's fine. It's fine, Carl, because there's so many guys in this space. I totally get why why you'd assume that, but it's cool. Um, thanks for bringing me up. I wanted to ask a question to Spotty. Um, I missed the first 10 to 15 minutes of the show, so I'm sorry if you covered this. But 
those apes or Jimmy's apes have gone on to make a sort of little boy band um, yes. and they've signed with Universal. And I was just wondering, obviously, there's huge advantages to this method because it gives exposure to the macro NFT space and what's going on and all the thesis and ideas that we've had. But from your perspective, do you think it would have been a better choice for him to sign with someone like Royal with what Blau's doing or to go down this route that um, he's done with Universal? Great question. Um, I will say I, I've only met Jimmy once. I met him in New York. And I have a, t but I, I, I have a couple Avastars and I've always been a Jimmy fan. I, I, I think he's a really great guy. I think he's really smart and really direct and has the best intentions. I don't know for sure, but I suspect that this deal made sense for Jimmy because, and, and again, this is a suspicion. I'm totally talking out of thin air. I might be wrong. I suspect that Jimmy is not necessarily going to be producing the music or writing the music, and that um, if this might make sense for him because the label is potentially going to A&R everything and, and put the music together, and they just need the 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 face uh, the faces of the four uh, apes, you know that that will make up this band. Um, so if that's the case, and again, this is just a guess, then I, I can understand how that deal could have made sense for Jimmy because it almost becomes a passive opportunity for him. You know, he's just licensing the IP and then he's going to let Universal Music Group do what they do. Again, this is my assumption. If Jimmy is a music producer, though, or if Jimmy is a songwriter, then yeah, I would agree with you. I would be really curious how he weighed the pros and cons of doing it independently. You know, but my suspicion is Jimmy's a very busy guy. Uh, you know, he's busy. He's managing leading projects like Avastars and helping other projects get off the ground. And um, I, I suspect that the actual production is not something that Jimmy wants to to commit a bunch of time to. And so for him, maybe this deal made sense. But I think for the vast majority of musicians and music producers and songwriters, I think it's probably a deal that wouldn't necessarily make as much sense in the long run as staying independent and and leveraging a more artist-friendly platform like Royal. That's a great answer. Thanks so much, Scotty. Thank you, Signal, Absolutely. for coming up. Amazing question. Okay, we are going to go ahead and start to pivot here to the world premiere song that we've got uh, ready to go. Is there anything before we end this show we're going to get to hear the latest song with collaboration with Bun B. Is there anything you want to do to set this song up, uh, Spotty? Uh, all I'm going to say is this is the first single off my new album. The album is a collab album, and it's going to be a year-long project. So this is the first drop. There will be four more drops next year with different collabs. Collect one from each drop, and you'll get this historic collab album as a vinyl record. And if you want to learn more, visit spottywifi.com or check my pinned tweet. I just posted a really comprehensive explainer video to explain the whole drop, which is going down on Monday. Awesome. All right. I, I was telling the audience before, I feel a little bit like Jay Leno now. We get to we had our show, and now we're going to the final act, the musical feature. This is pretty cool. So now, without further ado, let's go ahead and roll out the single from Spotty Wi-Fi on his new album with Bun B. Yes, sir. 
It's Spotty Wi-Fi. And you know I'm an all-time guy. And I'm living at an all-time high. It's official. I'm the king of punks. Haters gave me motivation. Even the coronavirus couldn't stop my coronation. Buy low, sell high, diamond hand determination. I'm Spotty Wi-Fi, five, five, two, eight, and we all gon' make it. I dox myself, so if you need me, you know where to find me. I'm certified, don't need no websites to verify me. We bout to take the revolution to the main stage. Go tell the labels, I don't think we on the same page. That's word of italic, put bold and italic on what you heard in my word salad. Spotty for royal, spit digital oil, boy, I got a metaverse palace. Don't ask me nothing, I can't talk in public or comment on I'm too busy running it up with bumping on none of that. Gotta maintain, gotta make rain, gotta stake no debate, I'm on chain gang gang. P5, so my green fly like a beanstalk, you know, f 5 4 fun bang bang. I touch the mill and quit my nine to five, I got a blunt rap. This one throw, baby. I can't wait to show them how we get down with this one. This all-time verse. Let's go. Coming straight up out the dirty south, that third coast sector. You bet on the triple OG, you hit the trifecta. Might see me around your girl and think that you need to protect her. But your bottom broad is busted. OGP, I'm a rejecter. I done tapped in with Spotty, made men like John Gotti. We flip so much crypto that we could buy a Maserati. Oh no, man, not the car. See, I'm talking about the dealer. Cause to me, an NFT means nobody's fucking thriller. Since I came up in the game, I've been carving out my Lane. I ain't got nothing to lose, but I got everything to gain. If I catch it at the right price, you know I'm finna cash out. By the time you buy it, it's too high, and now you ass out. You follow trends, man, but I'm a trending topic. My aura's larger than life, and your vibe is microscopic. When me and Spidey hook up, ain't no way that you can top it. You can hate, but you can't stop it, cause you know we finna drop it like it. It's unbelievable, unfucking believable. The Trill OG Bun B. Spotty Wi-Fi, historic shit, first of its kind, nobody ever did it like this, all time, all time, nobody ever did it like this. This has been another production of Guttercat Studios. All conversations with Crazy Carl are for educational purposes only. You should never take financial advice from a cat or anybody really, especially financial advisors. Take control of your own financial future and do your own research always. That's all for now. Until next time, we'll see you in the metaverse. <laughs>